I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> we live in a time of inadequate uh, rest. Uh, we live in a time that is weary and a time that is tired. Um, I, look, I looked around this morning as I was coming in and so many I see and you can sort of see the weariness behind the eyes. Sometimes that's physical weariness. You've You've been up late or you've had a lot of things that have taxed you physically in the past days. Sometimes it is a soul weariness that looks through the eyes um, of that, you, that you look into. And we see um, the need for rest. We see the need for physical rest and mental rest, but we see also the need for rest for our souls. As we look at this text this morning, I think it's important for us to, to understand biblical rest and the rest that God offers. There is certainly the need for uh, our bodies to be renewed. There is certainly the need for our minds to find rest, but the only true place that we will find rest is not in an extra 30-minute nap. It's not in getting our minds off of things with the distractions of this world. The rest only comes through Jesus Christ. It is in Him that we find our rest. I want you to follow this text with me this morning and just to see just a few simple truths from it. Beginning in verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into His, or God's, rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now I want you to focus on that word, seem, that's an appearance that doesn't match a reality. In other words, we can enter into this rest, but at times it can seem like we've not really entered into that rest. We can still li live like we're resting or we're depending on our own strength and our own labor. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now in the context, the them is speaking about the people of Israel in the, in the wilderness, in the Old Testament, they heard the truth, not the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the message of the gospel and the cross, but they heard a word from God. They heard an expression. They heard a truth communicated from God. But he said, the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Can I pause just a minute and say there is a word of caution to all of us that a word from God can be preached but if it is not mixed with faith in the person who hears it, it, cannot, it will not be profitable. That is why a sermon can be preached and a word from God can be proclaimed and the same person who is blessed and the same person who is helped is sitting next to someone else who walks away as if, oh, that didn't do anything for me. And the problem is not in the person who proclaimed it. The problem is certainly not in the word that's proclaimed. The problem is that it's not mixed in faith when we hear it. And it is so important for us to come to the word of God with a heart of faith. To hear what God will say to us. He goes on to say in verse 3, for we which have believed, we have faith, we heard the gospel, and we have believed, and we enter into rest. As he, God says, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. 
because he said in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in. Why? Because of unbelief. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David. You see all the verses of Scripture he's quoting from the Old Testament? Today, after so long a time, this is a quote from the Psalms, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Don't be in unbelief. For if Jesus had given them rest, let me just pause a minute and we'll come back to this in a moment, but this is, this is the Greek form of the name Joshua. Joshua in the Old Testament, a foreshadowing and a pointing to Christ. This isn't speaking of Jesus Christ. This is speaking of Joshua leading the people into the land of rest. But if Joshua or Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterward, David in the Psalms, have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, because of that, there remains a rest to the people of God. They did not achieve this rest in the Old Testament. There is still a rest to look forward to. There is still a rest that they have not yet entered into. Verse 10, but for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor isn't that an interesting, I love the turn of phrase here. Let's labor to enter into rest. Let's work to enter into rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. This rest that we'll see in this passage, God's going to reveal to us, first of all, the gift of rest. Then we'll see the, the goal of rest. What is the point of it? And then the grace that we experience through rest. First of all, the gift of rest. Do you notice what he said in verses 4 and 5? I want you to hear the message that he speaks of creation rest. Creation rest. In verse 4, he spoke in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise. God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. God is the one that modeled this gift of rest. Now, when creation was over, when God has created all that exists... God didn't say, man, I'm really just worn out. I think I could use a day off. God was not worn out. Just, just so y'all know, some of y'all are looking at me a little funny. God doesn't get tired. Or as we say in the country, God doesn't get tired. That connect that y'all, we get that? God, God, God doesn't get weary. God doesn't get tired. God didn't need a seventh day of rest because he was physically exhausted. God modeled for us what we would need. He created and then he rested. And that's what he's going to command when we come to Exodus chapter 20. God not only modeled rest, God mandated rest. He said in Exodus chapter 20, six days shalt thou labor. Six days. It is a, it is a command from God for us to work. You see, there's two extremes here. I often talk about extremes because there's a biblical balance between each of these. Blessed are the balanced. There, is, there are those who will worship the idol of leisure. They will try to find rest all the time. Rest is a gift from God. And they seek after that all the time. But it becomes an idol. You see how we turn 
good things into God things, little g, God things. We begin to worship, and they seek after leisure all the time. And they worship at that idol, and it becomes the idol of laziness. On the other hand, there are those who take the gift of God that is labor. It is a gift from God for us to be able to labor with our own hands, Ecclesiastes says. God has given this to man to enjoy. We were not created for idleness. And so God gives us this gift, but others will turn the gift of labor into an idol, and they become what we use the term today, workaholics. And they seek after, they, they work themselves and they keep themselves distracted and pressed and pushed beyond their physical or mental or spiritual capabilities. And they are just exhausted because they have not learned the balance. Jesus, uh, the, uh, God said in Exodus 20, six days shalt thou labor. You are to labor, but on the seventh day you're to rest. And so God mandated this rest. This is a gift from God. Listen to these verses, and we'll see this throughout Scripture. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, God said to Israel, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, Walk in the good way and find rest for your souls. Proverbs 3, 24, When you have wisdom, you'll lie down, and your sleep shall be sweet. You see, those who are caught up in leisure and laziness and the worship at the idol of it, they can never have enough. They sleep and they wake up and they want to sleep some more and they have leisure and they want to get more. It never satisfies. Idols never satisfy. And so he says, your rest will be sleep. But then he also says in Psalm 127 too, a warning for the other side, it is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, and eat the bread of anxious toil because he gives his beloved sleep. There are those who are getting up early and they're going to bed late and their only food is anxious toil. And they are working and they're pushing Many times for wrong reasons. Many times it's because they want recognition. They want to achieve a certain level of accomplishment. Sometimes it's because of possessions. I've got to have more. How many people do we know that have said, well, I, I, can't, I can't come to church because I've got to work, because I've got to give my kids all the things I didn't have. And many people have laid upon themselves a servitude to others through, through excessive borrowing and Excessive debt. The Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Do you know why God gave Israel the gift of rest? They had been slaves. They had been working for someone else for 400 years, seven days a week, all day, every day. They were enslaved to someone else. And so God gave them the gift. It was not a burden. It was a blessing. And may God help us to come to the place that we recognize the commands of God as gifts rather than burdens. And God said, Here, here's a day of rest. Because God knew that just like they had been slaves to others, they very likely would become slaves to other things. They would either become slaves to their, to their passions and their desire for rest, and they would do nothing, or they would work themselves and become slaves to their own needs and desires. And God sets this balance. Rest is a gift from God. Psalm 3 and verse 5, I lay down and slept. I woke, for the Lord sustained me. The rest that he got came 
from God. And then, of course, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Rest is a gift from God. It is for our benefit and for our good. Do you know that many of the issues of the mind and issues of the body in our day are because of a lack of, of healthy rest, physical rest, and that's a rest that God gave to us. But let's be very careful because the gifts that God gives to us are never about themselves. The gifts that God gives to us are never just for us to enjoy for the sake of enjoying them. They are to draw us, they are to point us, they are to move us toward the one who has given the gift. We've got to be very careful not to get so caught up in the gift that we forget the giver. And this gift from God is one, when God set this standard, He then gave the command and He gave it to us. It's a designly, <coughs> excuse me, a designly designed, God-given gift for our well-being and for our health. You see, rest is, rest is being willing to relinquish control. Rest and sleep is being willing to say, I'm not going to, things, things don't have to be in my hands anymore. Rest is saying, rest is saying, you're God and I'm not. Because he that keeps us neither slumbers nor sleeps. Someone said that he finally was carrying some burdens. And he finally just decided to go to bed because if God was, God was going to be up all night anyway, he might as well let him be up and worry about it. He wasn't going to stay up all night. That's the rest that God gives. Rest is a gift. It's God given to us as it is intended. I'm not talking about just inactivity. I'm talking about rest that is beneficial to our whole being, our body, our mind, our soul, spiritual. Because we see in the second part of this passage, we see the message of Canaan rest. We've seen the message of creation rest. It's a gift from God. But the message of Canaan rest gives us the goal, the purpose. Why did God give us rest? It's not just to refresh our bodies. Look in verse 6. Seeing, therefore, it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. The children of Israel, when they came to Kadesh Barnea, did not get to enter into the land of rest that God had promised. And understand, this begins to transcend physical rest as far as like taking a nap or resting or sitting down and catching your breath. This becomes a place of rest. This becomes living a life of rest in the land where God has provided. No longer do they have to wander in the wilderness. No longer do they have to be enslaved in Egypt. They have a place where they can go in and they can begin to enjoy the fruit of their labor. They can enjoy the blessings that God has for them. And that is the life that God has prepared for us. That is, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so he says there's a, there remains a rest. If Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. 
Look, the rest, he says, the rest I'm talking about is not the rest they enjoyed. We know that Joshua succeeded in leading the children of Israel into the land of promise. Joshua succeeded, but he said this is not that rest because if that had been the rest, David wouldn't have hundreds of years later written and said, today if you enter into this rest. So there's something else. And what is the writer telling us? The writer of Hebrews throughout this book is telling us that Jesus is the ultimate. Jesus is greater than all the things in the Old Testament. In the beginning of the book, he says, God, who in these past times has spoken to us by his prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. The prophets that spoke, he says, Jesus is better. And the angels, he's greater than the angels, the angels that brought the law to Moses. And he's going to say that, Jesus is better than Moses. And here he says, look, the rest that Joshua gave, that was not the best. That was not the ultimate rest. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. What was the point of the Canaan rest? The Canaan rest was not to be an end in itself. It was to point them to a deeper rest, and they were not able to enjoy it because of unbelief. What will keep us, those of us, who have heard the word and it's mixed with faith, we've seen that. What will keep us from living in that rest? A lack of faith. What will keep a person who is seeking peace and rest in this world and they are are driving themselves to distraction? They are living a life and they are trying all sorts of things to find satisfaction. They are trying to find peace in this world and they are searching after drugs and alcohol and deviance and all manners of all manners of wrong things, possessions, if I can just get enough possessions. And they are seeking and they are not satisfied. Jesus Christ is the only one who will satisfy those deepest needs. He's the only one who will bring peace and rest to our souls. And the point of the message of this is that Jesus is the one. In fact, that's why he uses that. The readers would not have missed the point that when he says the word Jesus, Joshua, that that was what he was referring to. As we look at this, I I was just reminded of the great quote from Augustine. You see, it's not just our... It's not just our physical rest. It's not just a mental rest, though there are many who need that. There are some that are just exhausted by life. You're exhausted by the burdens that you're carrying. You're exhausted by the, the constant turmoil and the things that are going on, and you work day after day after day, and you feel that weariness. And that rest is a gift from God. There are those who are carrying mental weariness, and their minds are just exhausted and We just, you know, people talk about that, and I get part of it is getting older. Your mind is not as sharp as it used to be, and we understand that. But it's also a matter of when your mind is weary and tired, it needs rest. Our minds and our hearts are most susceptible to the temptations of Satan and this world when we are weary. And that's why he wants us exhausted. But beyond that, what this is talking about is pointing us to a spiritual rest. Augustine said, 
you arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy because you have made us and drawn us to yourself. And listen to this, our heart is restless until we find our rest in you. The deepest restlessness, the deepest lack of rest is not in our bodies and it's not in our minds. It is in our souls. And there may be someone here this morning that need this message of this next part. You see, there's the message of creation rest that says it's a gift from God. There's the message of Canaan rest that says it's to point us to God. And there's a goal. The whole point of all these gifts are to point us to God. But he's going to talk about the message of Calvary rest. And that is the grace of God at work in our lives through faith. This is what I want you to see most clearly this morning in these final two or three minutes. I want you to see what he says in verse 6. I'm sorry, verse, verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. They were in danger of missing the blessings of the rest that they had entered into because of a lack of faith. They were in danger of missing. What is this rest? He says, the person who enters into rest has rested from his labors. This rest is ending all fleshly attempts to achieve or obtain God's approval. Let me say that again because I really want that truth to sink in. This rest is ending all fleshly attempts to earn God's approval. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, you are searching for something. Your heart is restless until it finds its rest in Christ. And you're searching and you're looking for something. And there are those who think, well, if I come to church or maybe if I'm religious, let me tell you, you will never be good enough and you will and should never feel good enough to measure up to God's approval. But that's what grace is. Grace is I don't have to earn his approval. I don't have to earn this rest. That's what the gift of salvation is. That's the grace. That's the grace of this rest, that I don't have to earn it. I don't have to strive for it. I was talking with someone a while back, and they were sharing about the faith tradition that they came out of and how they constantly were hammered that basically they had to be good enough to be saved. And they finally gave up because they said, I couldn't keep all the rules. And I looked around and I saw people that they said were keeping all the rules and I knew they weren't keeping all the rules. And I saw the hypocrisy. And so I walked away until finally grace got a hold of their heart and they understood the gift of God's grace. They understood resting in the work of the person of Jesus Christ and understanding that that is our foundation. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly cling to Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, 
all other ground, all my works, all my goodness, all my righteousness, all my religiousness is sinking sand. Jesus has done the work. He that enters into this rest, we enter into this rest by faith. We cease from our own works. But then notice what he says in verse 11. Let us labor to enter into this rest. Quit working to receive this rest. But let's work to enter into this rest. You see, the difference is that instead of trying to work hard enough to reach a place of rest, we work from a place of rest. We enter in by faith. And having entered in, we labor. It's what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. That's the rest. We don't do it by works. We rest by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say in the next verse, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the labor. So we labor, but we don't labor for rest. We labor from rest. We labor because we are saved. We labor because the work has already been done. And there is something freeing and restful about that. There is a difference between serving to rest and serving from rest. And let me tell you, it can make, a, it can make a, an amazing difference in your Christian life. For a long part of my Christian life, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't fully understand grace. I had this idea that I had to constantly do more. I knew I was saved by faith. I wasn't trying to earn my salvation. But my service for God was oriented in, I must do more. I need to pray longer. I need to read more scripture. I need to share the gospel with more people. I am not using enough of my time. And let me tell you, we only have so much time. And after a while, you run yourself into the ground trying to earn the pleasure, trying to earn the approval of God. And I don't have to earn his approval. I already have it in the person of Jesus Christ. I have been made accepted into his beloved. And because I have been made accepted, I serve from a place of rest, not to earn my place of rest. He says, let us labor to enter into that rest. This is, this is the rest the gift of rest that God has given to us. Let me tell you, it's wonderful. And I hope every one of you, if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're exhausted, I hope you find physical rest. I hope you do what it takes to find some time to, to trim some things from your time and your agenda and your schedule to make sure that you are physically rested. If you're mentally exhausted, I hope you turn your phone off. I hope you turn the television off. I hope you let your mind rest. I hope you quit following that loop of all the things that have happened to you that keeps you up at night and all the problems and all the worries. I hope you turn that off. But above all else, I hope you find your soul's rest in Jesus Christ. Because that 
is what those other rests point us to and teach us of. And they whet our appetite. Have you ever, I know as, as you have kids, this gets rarer and rarer. Have you ever laid down just for a brief rest, a nap, and you get up so refreshed? It doesn't always happen. Somebody asked me, they said, do you take naps on Sunday afternoon? And if I do, it's pretty much by accident more than on purpose. Um, and if I do, sometimes I don't always wake up feeling refreshed. But there are times when you get just what you need and you get up and you feel so refreshed. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of what the Spirit, how the Spirit refreshes my soul when I am in the presence of God. You see, the other rests are never just for idleness. They're always for us to enter into the presence of our Heavenly Father and be refreshed in our souls. He says, I will give rest. You will find rest to your souls. So let me just, I, I could say much about the physical rest and the need for it, but let me, let me just close with the thoughts of this. Rest your soul. Rest your soul. First of all, how do, how do I rest my soul? First of all, learn or leave the work of your salvation to the one who has already finished it. Leave the work of your salvation to the one who has already finished it. Put aside any thought that you can somehow earn your place of rest in heaven. Jesus Christ has done that. And learn to live in the, You may think, hey, I, that's why I come to church. I come to church so I'll get to go to heaven. I want to get on God's good side. You know, God's got this great big scale in the sky and you put all the good over here and all the bad over here and hopefully all the good of my life eventually will lean this way or the other. But let me tell you what happens. The fact is, is that there's nothing in the good side. All of our righteousnesses, the Bible said, are as filthy rags. So essentially, no matter how much good you think you're doing, it just weighs the other side down more. But I'm glad for the finger of grace that comes along and lays on the other scale and balances it out, and it's God's grace. Don't think you can earn your way to heaven. Find your salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. If you have never done that, then please, please, please let this be the day that you quit struggling, you quit striving in your own strength and in your own flesh, and you lay your burden at the feet of Jesus, and you find the rest for your soul. To rest your soul, lean on Jesus for the labor that he calls you to. The work that God has for us to do, do it in his strength. Live the Christian life in his strength. Don't carry your burdens. Give them to Jesus. Some, some of you are worn out because you are carrying day after day after day. You're carrying physical, mental, emotional, spiritual burdens. And it is in Jesus that we find our rest. It is in his strength that we find peace. Some of you are not at rest because of turmoil. And there's things in your life that are going on. You need to come to Jesus to find that rest. He is our rest. We know that, that we have, we've heard the truth and it's been mixed with faith, but don't live in a way that seems like we have not entered in. 
Live in the rest of Christ. Quit trying to measure up. Rest in His goodness. Rest in His righteousness. Work from a place of rest, not to find a place of rest. Jesus said it this way, Take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? It's a tool, an instrument of labor. Take my yoke on you and learn of me, and you'll find rest for your soul. Thank God for the gift of rest, but rest is for the purpose of pointing us to the Calvary rest. Find your rest in Jesus. What do you need rest from? What, what is it in your life that is causing you to be unrestful? And I don't mean keeping you up at night necessarily, though that may be part of it. What, if it, what is it that keeps your mind in turmoil throughout the day? Let me tell you that in Jesus Christ there is rest. And you may need to come to this altar this morning and you may need to pour out your heart to God and say, Jesus, I am claiming the rest that you promised. May I find the rest for my soul. Father, thank you for the gift of rest. May we receive the gift of rest, this gift of grace that draws us and points us to you. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord. I know there are many here that are burdened. They are heavy laden. And you said, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Father, I pray they will come this morning. And they will receive the rest that you have for them. I pray for the one that doesn't know you, that is in turmoil because they've been trying to live a good life and they've just never been able to measure up and they need to trust in Christ and his finished work this morning. Whatever the need might be, Father, I pray that you will speak to hearts and draw your people.